Welcome to the Herd Quitter Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lumen. On this show, we talk to farmers and ranchers who aren't afraid to think for themselves and do things a little bit differently. We hope these guests will challenge you to look at your farms and ranches in a new way and result in a more profitable and enjoyable business for you and your family. Well, welcome back, Rob. I, I appreciate you giving us a another another time. We we had our last conversation after a little while over an hour. Uh, we hadn't really gotten too much into the actual cow side and your heat tolerant program that you you've got going down there. And so I thought it might be good to to do another round two here and um, get into that a little more. And and you were gracious enough to give me some more of your time. So I, I appreciate that. And, and welcome back to the Herd Quitter Podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I think we left off kind of having talked largely about your history. Um, we talked a little bit about your your getting back into the business and, and how you acquired some more land. And you kind of gave us a hint into the kind of genetics that you went with buying, you know, a large group of Coriani cattle and, and crossing them with PCC Red Angus. But let's, I guess, pick up from there and talk about, yeah, the evolution of what happened with your cow herd, I guess, as you started to, you know, started to dabble in that. What did you see? What did you... What did you like? What didn't you like? Well, I just, I really like the, the little small, real hardy, easy keeping females that I was getting out of the Crente cows and the, the Pharaoh Red Angus bulls. Mm. And uh, so they was really what I was looking for. They was just really small, really hardy, really easy fleshing, really, really good uttered. The Crente cows brings good utter. And of course, PCC, you know, scores for, you know, mm-hmm. utter scores on cows. So mm-hmm. it's just really that first bunch of cows is, uh, I was born in 13. I just left a pasture actually. And several mm-hmm. of those, they'd be nine year old, come 10 year old cows out there wow. really looking good. Utters are still really good, moderate mm-hmm. sized cows. Yeah. And, and I guess I didn't ask specifically in the last one, but maybe talk a little bit about your environment, where you are for us, Northern Minnesota folks who maybe are up in Northern you know, United States who maybe don't understand why you need a breed that's a little more adapted to that kind of environment. Talk about what a summer or, you know, this, this, the stress can look like in your area. Well, we're, we're really high humidity and we're, the humidity is really high here. Our temperatures are, you know, a typical summer forest is in the upper 90s, but but the humidity, when you, you know, factor those two together, mm-hmm. it's just really, really tough to keep our Angus and our Red Angus, if they're not really a heat tolerant, mm-hmm. it's just hard to keep them out of the ponds and, <laughs> and out of the shade and you know, if, you, if you've got rotational grazing where there's not much shade and you're you don't want them in the ponds anyway. It just got to have something that can handle the heat and humidity. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the main, is that the main reason why you went with the Coriani specifically? Cause like, I mean, PCC Red Angus, like you already kind of addressed, they had some of the smaller frame that would give you the extra carrying capacity and a little more low input, but was the Coriani bringing that in primarily for the heat stress or? Yeah. The, the heat stress you just hardly ever see, you know, the deal on standing in the ponds and stuff. You mm-hmm. just around here, of course, Corinthians are roping, roping stock and they're mm-hmm. just tough and hardy. 
that was, I thought they would bring some heat tolerant. They weren't as slick haired as the Romo Zueno and the Mashona, but I just never seen them standing in the pond. Mm -hmm. I see them out grazing in the heat and humidity. So their hair coat is not as good as like the Mashona, the African breed and the other Spanish breed that we're using Romo Zueno. But I guess they're just tougher. And because their hair, they're a little better they're better haired than just a straight Angus or red Angus, but I don't know how to answer that other than they're just yeah. tougher. They take the heat a little better. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Hmm. And, uh, and your goal originally was to get them crossed. And now you're, is your herd primarily then the 50, 50 cross the red Angus Coriani cross, or do you still have some purebred Coriani's? I, I still do because when the Mashona started coming in the mix, most of my most of my bulls that will sell in Alabama this year are quarter Corinthe, quarter Mashona, and half Red Angus, okay. which that's that's where about oh four or five years into this, I met Al DeWitt and Weston. Mm -hmm. I actually took some cattle for both of them. Uh, Weston, there was a drought and I think that was 18 in his part of the country. And we'd kind of just, just kind of acquaintances, but a mutual friend put us in touch and he brought, I believe 29 red Angus cows down that was bred to Mashona bulls. And he pulled in the pasture one day and saw my half Corentes and what they look like and he just really thought that was a really, really nice cow and it had some heat tolerant. Well, he was messing with the Mishona. So we, we just got to talking. One thing led to another. And, and my thoughts was that quarter Mishona, quarter Corinthe and half red Angus would, would even better the half Corinthe's. Uh, I had my first set of heifers last year, which was only like 21 or 22 of the quarter, quarter halves that we're talking about. And as first calf heifers, all but one of them bred, and and they look like they can even handle the heat more because the Michonne is going to slick the hair up on them just a little bit. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of how Kit found out about what I had, and and I had told him in 2012, and, and you know he talks to many so many customers. He asked me what I was doing when I was at Colorado, and what kind of cows I ran. And I, I actually laughed and said, well, I'd rather really not tell you because everybody laughs at me when I tell you what I'm doing. And, yeah. and you know, I appreciated Kit, which he was the, for the smaller cow deal anyway. And he said, no, I don't think you're crazy. You're probably, you're probably up to something. And I remember David Hall, another CP, when he found out what I was doing said, no, I think you're, I think you're on the right track. And so when we put the Michonne in there, it just, it just added to it. So pretty pretty excited about it they seem to be working really well in in this heat and humidity and another thing we we're on that line of fescue the end of fight infected fescue and and these these cattle really i'd mentioned that in part one that that one reason i've got one of the pastures i got is because the angus just couldn't perform on it and these seem to be really done well sure sure yeah do you have any kind of uh i don't know what you call them uh metrics or anything that you could compare them to what you had before you know some your standard larger cattle any sort of breed back or i guess it's totally different environment too because you also you subsidize those other cattle so much so it's it's hard to compare apples and apples to apples when 
it, it is hard to compare, but, but right now you, you ask if, if I was mainly into the, you know, what my cow herd was now mm-hmm. because of this quarter, quarter half being my desired end product, I still got about 125 Corinthe cows that we breed to red Angus bulls. Then we got our half blood, half Corinthe cows that we breed to half Mashona, half red Angus. That's where we're getting our quarter, quarter halves. And then we'll got a herd of registered red Angus cows uh, that right now I'm staying a, a small portion. I'm keeping red Angus because uh, how I'm breeding them, I bought a Woody Thames, another CP that, that they sold their ranch. I bought his cows and they're the only fall kevers I've got. But I'm sure tempted just because when you put that heat adapted in there, I'm very tempted to start sticking Mashona bulls on them. <laughs> and that, yeah. therefore, therefore, purebred Red Angus, purebred Corinnies, and then I can cross and get to my desired. My desire now, where it was the half Corinny, half Red Angus, my my finished product, I think, now is going to be the quarter Corinne, quarter Mashona, half Red Angus. So, I'm trying to keep enough of those herds to kind of keep that, uh, you know, the F2 cross from the two F1s, mm, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you kind of got into a question that I had as a, as a purebred red, red Angus guy, I've got it simple, right? I just take red Angus cows and bring them to red Angus bulls. And when you start talking about all this cross and cross breeding and stuff, I mean, is this something that you have to do forever is maintain these different herds or maybe I guess at some point you get to just, breed back offspring like the a quarter quarter half bull to quarter quarter half cows and then it maintains is that right yeah yeah i i that's where i want to go with it because on the breed up it is very evident you asked me about that while ago yeah i couldn't tell you about my cattle before i got pcc genetics but i can Mm -hmm. now because i've got straight straight angus red angus that are in the same environment and getting you know, not supplemented. And, and my, you can definitely tell when we preg our straight Angus and red Angus, they don't have near the breed up as, as the heat tolerant stuff down here. Matter of fact, one set of cows that we was running together, trying to get a little different cross. We just got our blood test back from it. And, and the red Angus really struggled. It, it was probably half, there wasn't very many of them in there, but keep in mind we had a drought year, so we 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 struggled getting getting the straight Angus red Angus bread down here in the spring. It's a it's mm-hmm. a struggle. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like a tough place to be. It's funny because uh, when uh, my dad and I went to ranching for profit and uh, really questioned whether or not we were raising cattle in the right place. Uh, financially with all the winter, winter is a challenge up here and the expense to raise cattle through the winter. And I haven't found a way yet to graze through the winter yet. We're, we're shortening our, our feeding time and stuff, but uh, with corn stalks and different things. But anyway, this all to say that we look pretty seriously at ranches down in Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, kind of in your region, because it seems like a great place to raise cattle. But you talk about the challenges that come with that. And it's not all <laughs> sunshine and roses, I guess. So, Well, the, you know, and I, I don't remember who wrote this article. You asked me about resources the other day. And I said, I love the discussion group. But what you're doing you're you're bringing people in for guys that don't like to read yeah, like yeah me. That's the goal. 
feel free. I can listen and mm-hmm. to people talk. So I, I just want to come back and say that you're what you're doing here is a great resource of, of all these guys that you're bringing on here. So for the guys that don't read, I, I would encourage them, you know, find a podcast of like-minded guys that are herd quitters thinking outside the box because very resourceful when you talk to them. But uh, I don't remember where I heard this, but, you know, we always think somebody else has got it better. You know, you guys may not fight them to fight infected fescue up there, mm-hmm. but you have long winters. Yeah. You know, I, when I go to kits on the bull work days and the bull sales, and, you know, I've been out on his ranch a lot. You know, you see stuff that you'd love to have at home, but then Tyson was saying when I was there for work day, I mean, they're just going constantly checking water and, mm-hmm. and the water's an issue out there. So you go, you go down to Texas. I, I just left Texas when I went to Colorado and I, I see some things that I really wish we had that was at Doug Marburger's, the bull developer in Texas. But then I see some things that he fights and I'm leaving there. Thank God I don't have to fight those things. So I guess, I guess it's kind of like, uh, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. It looks like, yeah. <laughs> but I've always, I've always told everybody when it looks better over there, one of two things: uh, the fertilizer bills higher, the septic tank over there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's that's a good a uh, good way to look at it. You're you're right for the most part. I do think every place has got its advantages and, and disadvantages. Um, that's been one of the cool things talking to people from all over the country on this podcast is hearing a lot of those advantages and disadvantages. But uh, um, I'm curious then. So you talked about the breed up being significantly better on your crossbreds. Um, that obviously has a very strong correlation to profitability because you you know <laughs> a lighter calf is better than not having a calf because it came up open. But I'm curious on the actual calf uh, on that twenty twenty five or quarter quarter half. Do you see? I mean, what? How do the calves look like? And and the, I guess this question kind of comes from. Uh, I listened to a podcast at the the Ranching Reboot podcast with Brian Alexander, and he's kind of going down the Coriani Cross kind of path with his cattle and he had on a large seed stock producer who's more of a commercial commodity kind of cow guy and that person kind of said you know that's that's great you can have a good calf but if you produce a product that nobody wants to eat then have you really accomplished anything and I thought that was maybe not a fair assessment of what he was producing but I'm curious if that is a that's a I, I would say probably a pretty common perspective on some of these crossbred especially with uh, Coriani and maybe some of those more hardy, those type of cattle, do you, what do you see in the calves ultimately, I guess? And, and maybe, I don't know if you have experience with the meat at the end product too, but. Well, I mean, you know, when, when we do our ultrasound data with, with Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. these bulls are, you know, they're, they're like some of them, some are way better than others and, and some of them not. So, but we've we've ate several of these. As a matter of fact, a guy that that bought five or six steers the other day, and they was quarter quarter halves. He called two or three days ago, and they'd butchered their first one. You know, this big steer that had run on grass, and he, you know, he says best meat I've ever eaten. But you know, when they raise them and stuff, yeah. sometimes you know, I little bias. <laughs> yeah, you may be a little biased, but I I don't think we're I don't think we're missing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as as the meat quality and i think the quarter quarter halves i mean when you sell a half karenny steer 
kind of kind of what you probably heard on that that podcast with him they they do dock them a little bit because but if you really look at crente they're one of the best marbling meats there mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. you know there's not as much of it on there so if we get the cross right i think we could potentially if we do everything right i think we could have as a good a product or or better than than mm-hmm. what they what they are producing i i I'm hoping and I'm believing yeah. that. And yeah. so far I'm not seeing anything different yeah. than that. Uh, yeah. I think they're, I think they're going to be good. Sure. And talk about the Mashona a little bit. Cause I don't know much about them myself. Well, it's an African breed. Uh, so you talk about Africa, you talk about heat, you talk about hot, you talk about, um, you know, one thing we've learned about them is they're, they're flighty when they're, when they're young. I mean, I'm sure being born over there with the predators, I mean, that's an instinct that the Lord put in them, you know, when he, because that's where they come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just think about coming from Africa and coming over here in our environment. And, you, and I, they just, they are probably one of the easiest fleshing breeds that I've ever seen. They can just stay fat on minimal, you know, poor forage and, and, minimum than they just that's what i see from them more than anything mm-hmm. the Mashonas, and uh you know it's a the process there's been a tough one because the only way they weaver out of new mexico jim weaver you know you couldn't get them in here and, and my understanding is he brought a bunch of bought a bunch of embryos and brought them over here and there's no EPDs. There's not a lot of pictures. We have a few pictures of his stuff. And so between Al, Richard Luciano, Al DeWitt, Richard Luciano, um, Weston and myself, we're just trying to work through, through all of those sires mm. to see what the best is. That's been the toughest thing. I think once we dial in on the sure enough, right, sire groups on the Mishonas and and go from there and and we're getting close i mean we've we've definitely found out some that we don't want to use and we found definitely found some that that are doing what you know they're thicker mm-hmm. and do more what what pcc is about you know the the eight pounds of sugar and five pound sacks is hard to get out of a heat tolerant cow because they're just yeah. they're not as a media media cow okay no, it's, it's interesting. Something I don't have to deal with much up here is that, yeah, dealing with that, that heat tolerance, but it sounds like between that and then the red Angus cross, you can get what you need out of them. You can get a quality meat product. A lot of that meat probably comes from the Angus side, I suppose. And then the, or yeah. I, I think so. I, I, but I think, I think the Mashona and the Corinthe bring some marbling in is what, mm-hmm. what I think we're learning. Sure. Yeah. And I think so. Yeah, it it brings probably your your size, your ribeye size, and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, the tenderness, but I I think the Michonne and Crente is going to bring some of the marbling and stuff in. I is mm-hmm. what I'm seeing from okay. it. So hopefully, yeah. it, hopefully it's going the right direction. It looks like it is. Yeah, and I guess so. Back to kind of the question on the advantages, I guess for the producer in that region who's dealing with straight Angus or red Angus cattle and probably has a pretty strong, you know, low breed back rate and 
you know, cows that are standing in the pond, you know, what does this mean if they were to look at using a cross or, you know, one of these heat tolerant bulls? And I don't know if there's some other heat tolerant, you know, you've got your quarter, quarter, half is what you're working on. I'm not sure what all there is in the the heat tolerant program as far as different um, combinations of that. But what what is that going to add to them as a, a producer if they look at a bull like this? I, I think if they if they buy the half and three quarter bloods of mm-hmm. Michonne or ha- let's just say half or uh, to three quarter heat tolerance, whether whatever they choose, whether that's Romo Zueno or or Corrente as the Spanish or or Michonne as the African, I think whatever they choose, if they if they you know buy the half and we're we're getting to where we can produce some of the three quarters and stuff now, it's just been a slow process. Mm-hmm. I think when they come back with their quarter and three eighths females, I think they're going to see a huge, huge difference in their females, how they handle the heat and the fescue, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we're here in Oklahoma. That's, that's the reason the sales in Alabama, the Southeast fight these things probably at a, at a more intense battle than I do here. We're kind of right on the edge, Missouri and, and Oklahoma, but when you get down in the Alabama, the Georgia, the Mississippi, and down in there, the fescue and the, the heat and humidity's you know, magnified. So I, I think when they breed to these half and three quarter heat tolerant bulls, I think they're going to see their females as three eighths, you know, quarter to half on, on their females. I think they're going to see them really perform way, way better in the heat and humidity than what they got now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's probably hard to really imagine what that does. People probably think, you know, I'm bringing in this animal that'll get docked at the sale barn and maybe won't produce quite as big of a calf. But if you look at just the ability to, well, probably you're going to downsize your female size a little bit. So you're going to be able to run more cows. It's kind of mm-hmm. all the same things we're talking about. You're going to up your your reproduction. So you're going to have more calves, more cows on the ground and more calves on the ground. And right. even if they do weigh a little bit less, ultimately profitability is going to go up on the ranch, especially if you look at the ability, if you start doing some of these other things that we talked about in part one that you've done about backing off on your feed, your supplementation and, and managing a little better. Yeah, leads to a pretty profitable ranch, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, right. And if 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 they go, here's one of the things that before you know, Kit and and before I become a CP, I was using a little little more larger frame terminal type bulls on those half Corintes, mm-hmm. and and I I topped the market at Oklahoma City one year with my steers. I mean, they right. they border Corinte, but they, you know, they was they wasn't a whole lot lighter and, and they looked so, so my deal with that Jared is if they, if these guys can buy these heat tolerant bulls and produce them some quarter to half blood females, I don't think they're going to get docked. I think, I think when they're selling the, the eighth and quarter blood calves at the market, I, I, I sure didn't see it in my half mm-hmm. parentes and I sure don't think you're going to see it. You come back on a quarter a quarter Michonne and a half red Angus cow with a straight red Angus or, or even a quarter Michonne bull. I think, I think your calves are going to sell really good at the market. I don't think you're going to see much of a, 
you know, because that, that's one of the things that I hear a lot from people that's mm-hmm. reluctant to, to jump into PCC, the smaller frame and stuff. But you said it, if you're producing more calves, you're st- you, you can have more cows. And if, if, you know, if we can find a little something that sells good at the market, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're uh, profitable, sustainable and enjoyable. As, yeah, as- yeah, Absolutely. And it's kind of what you're talking about there. It kind of makes me think of a study and it was done in North Dakota, but I wonder if there's some relevancy to what you're talking about down there. And I, and I forget exactly how it was, but it was something along the lines of comparing, you know, calves and weaning weights and total pounds weaned from larger, like 1500 pound cows to 11 to 1200 pound cows. And they actually found that the 11 to 1200 pound cows in that particular year, which was a drought year, forage was poor and the calves were actually better and larger than the ones out of the bigger cows, which is kind of controversial, but the, you know, the calves that are those larger cows perhaps had the genetic potential to be larger, but they were not adapted to survive and to actually grow in that environment. And the smaller ones were better adapted. And so down in your environment, uh, environment, I I wonder if there's something to, you know, these other purebred Angus, red Angus type cross cat or type cattle, maybe have the genetic potential to be larger and do better than your cross cattle, but they're not adapted to that environment. And so they never meet that genetic potential. Whereas your breeding ones that have the ability and opportunity to really thrive and ultimately actually maybe do get bigger or do better um, because of that. For, for sure. I mean, if you remember that, I think in part one, I told you about the half blood cows when we weighed the cows at weaning one day and weighed the, the calves, mm-hmm. the cows weighed 980. I mean, around my part of the country, I get laughed at, laughed yeah. at, laughed at. And the guys that helped me work my cattle, because I day work a lot around, or did, I'm getting too busy now, but <laughs> used to day work, work a lot of people's cattle and the guys that I worked with, the big deal around here is what about Rob's cattle? What about Rob's little cattle? What about <laughs> Rob's little cattle? And a guy named Gerald Barnhart says, all I know about them is you can get a whole bunch more of them in a trailer. And, yeah, yeah. and, and, you know, I brought up the trailer deal on, on part one. I said, yeah. well, if you get a lot more of them in the trailer, Gerald, that means you can get a lot more of them in the pasture too. Mm-hmm. You just keep that in mind. And that goes over a lot of people's heads because it's pounds per acre. And yeah. so with moral fit yeah. in the trailer, you got moral fit in the pasture for what grass you have available. Mm-hmm. But that 980 was what the cows averaged that year. Uh, bull calves 579 and and wow. calves 525 you you do that percentage on body weight when i had my cattle in 2008 and prior to that with absolutely no inputs and that's the pasture i told you we haven't had to feed the cows no hay no you know just when there was snow on and that's rare around oklahoma mm-hmm. we have some but i did i never could get that kind of weights you know, I don't think Adam, I never, I wasn't as, I, I didn't keep as good of records then, but I don't, my kids 550 to 600 every year is what I was selling. So mm-hmm. it really hasn't changed. I think that's a, I think that's a fear of the guys that sit on the fence and say are chasing weaning weights. I just think sometimes you get a little bit of a hybrid vigor and you get cows that fit their environment. You, you said it, the other cows, they got the genetics, but they don't reach it because they don't, they don't fit the environment. Yeah. 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 That's that. I think that's a pretty telling story. First of all, your experience and just it, it's something people got to think about is yeah. Genetics are only 
met, you know, it doesn't really matter what the EPD says if the environment doesn't match and, and allow that to work or if the animal doesn't, yeah, if the animal doesn't fit the environment to get there. So, you know, find animals that meet your environment, even if the genetic potential isn't quite as high, potentially they may do better, exceptionally better because they actually have the ability to. So I like that. Um, on this heat program, heat tolerant program, I don't, you know, I don't even maybe know the questions to ask. I'm up here in Minnesota. What have I not asked? What, 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 uh, you know, what is there that you would want to tell people about the program or about the cows and, and what it'll do for them or anything else that I haven't mentioned? Probably another thing that we haven't touched on is the, the parasite uh, yes. resist in the, in the Corinthe, the, the Mashona and the, um, Romo's Wayno, the other Spanish breed that Alan Weston and I are using a little bit, and and Richard down in South Texas, we we just, I mean, we worm when we wean, and we worm them when they breed, and then we're pretty much done worming. I mean, we don't; they just are parasite resistant. They bring that to the table to me, and and, and Kit. Kids preach that on the straight Angus and red Angus, but I think again these breeds probably magnify that and bring even more of it mm-hmm. to the to the table. Sure. Uh, so I, I was trying to think what what else I could add about that, but probably the parasite resistance and the heat tolerant, and hopefully you know we're still we're bringing the marbling with the with the good Angus and red Angus genetics. So I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going backwards at all on the, on the uh, meat mm-hmm. and, and how they produce. I can't really think of anything else that I can think of, you know, back to the quarter, quarter half, which is kind of where I want to get quarter Corinthe, quarter Michonne, half red Angus. I'm just now getting to the point where I can start breeding the quarter quarter halves to one another, just because, you know, line breeding and then breeding, it's a close, yeah. <laughs> it's a, if it turns out good, it's called line That's breeding. Right. <laughs> if it turns out bad, it's called inbreeding. But this will probably be the first year that, that I buy a quarter quarter half back. I have mm-hmm. not bought a quarter quarter half back. I've bought mm-hmm. some half bloods. Back. And when I say buying back, we send them all down there because we want to see how they, mm-hmm. how they, you know, perform with the other bulls and and stuff. Because that kind of when I say that, when I make that comment, a CP both buying a bull back, yeah, can't, can't go into detail and explain all that. But we yeah. want to send them down there and have them developed, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and then send them through the sale and and look yeah. at them. We just, we just buy them back. But anyway. This is going to be the first year I buy my quarter, quarter, half back because I think I've got enough that I can start breeding sure. quarter, quarter halves, two quarter, quarter halves. And, and you know, Teddy Gentry, when he started South Pole, I don't know how long ago, 2004, and that's just now. I think that's the year. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's a four breed makeup and it's very heat tolerant and doing very well. And there'll be some South poles down there at the Alabama cell as well. So I guess when I look at that and see that breed really worked, I see this quarter, quarter, half, I see it really working, but I also, I get encouraged, but then I think how long has it taken him to be able to breed what he was looking for to each other. So uh, it's, it's getting there really good now. So I guess about 10 more years or so. 
or something, we'll really see. Yeah. yeah. We get the phenotype and we can get it consistent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the quarter quarter halves. Oh, that makes sense. And is there anything to touch on or to, you know, mention for a, a commercial producer looking at this? Like you as a registered guy are a lot more maybe intentional about your quarter, quarter half and your percentages and stuff. Does that is that something that a commercial guy has to consider or how do they do I, I don't think so. I, I think I think the answer's in a question that we took talked to them a while ago. What what does buying one of these heat tolerant bulls bring them? If I'm a commercial guy I'm going to go down there and buy me a half or three quarter heat tolerant bull. I'm going to bring him back and stick him on my commercial cows. I'm going to keep that quarter to a three eighths female. And, and then I've got a, then I've got an option of putting maybe a quarter heat tolerant back on them or just a more terminal bull. You know, when you get enough females produced, I, I, my big deal with PCC is producing the females. I just mm -hmm. have never been able to get females to perform like my PCC genetics. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're buying PCC bulls, boy, I just really encourage you. You know, I know, I know everybody cannot keep all their heifers and this and that, but you will be, you will be major impressed and, and, just what the what those genetics bring to your females is what I think yeah. PC offers as much or more than anything. And so I think that commercial guy can go to the half three three quarter heat tolerant and and just save them females and he's gonna then he can do, you know, what he wants with them and still still do good at the local markets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where can people find these? You've mentioned the sale and, and when, where and when are the, the sales where heat tolerant bulls are sold? Um, I think there's a few maybe. But. Yes. Uh, in the fall, the only one that offers them is Alabama and that's 100% heat tolerant, whether it be the South Pole mm -hmm. or whether it be some of these bulls we're producing that we've been talking about. Uh, Texas spring sale and Missouri spring sale will also offer some of the heat tolerant breeds and this fall alabama sales coming up here pretty soon right november 12th i believe saturday it's yeah that's right cool awesome it's coming pretty fast I, it is yeah and by the time this one is released i think it'll be if you're listening it'll be this saturday because <laughs> i think this will be released on the monday before that so uh um check it out yeah there's definitely still time uh, you got you got the rest of this week i guess so yeah um but check it out and then get on the quick or they can get on the quick so yeah. see video what these bulls look like and yeah you know if they've got a catalog it'll tell the breed makeup and the catalog so if you got your catalog beside your quick sort you know you can see the breed the breed make on the on the bulls you're looking at yeah awesome well, is there anything else that I haven't asked that you think would be important to share here? Otherwise, we can wrap this one up. Not that I can not that I can think of. Cool. Well, good. I appreciate you coming back on again. Um, this was good stuff. If people want to find out more information about these, where should they where should they uh, go? Oh, I, I just think uh, the the Pharaoh website, the, the catalogs read, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. He's got some articles about these heat tolerant stuff. Uh, just contact PCC and and 
some of the, you can look on the back of them catalogs and see which ones are more into the heat tolerant. I, you know, I talked to a guy from Virginia the other day, a guy from Texas yesterday. I mean, people are calling and I think there's a a big interest in this. And I think it's just because in the heat and humidity, it's tough to get the, the others to, to reach their genetic potential. Yeah. So contact BCC and any of the cooperative producers that, that you see in the back of the catalog that do do the heat tolerant and they can tell you more about them, answer cool. questions. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. The Herd Quitter Podcast is brought to you by Faro Cattle Company, whose mission is to help ranchers put more fun and profit into their business. You can get more information on Faro Cattle Company at farocattle.com. And if you enjoy what you've heard on this podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Herd Quitter Podcast or at herdquitterpodcast.com.